Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There really is something about Christmas morning, isn't there? I mean, uh, you know, you wake up, and uh, a lot of us as kids, we wake up and we find presents under the tree. Uh, as an adult, you wake up to a morning that most of us don't have to go to work. Um, I guess I can't really say that anymore. <laughs> think about it. But this Christmas morning, for the first time in a long time, I think we woke up to snow on the ground. It was a white Christmas for the, the first time, in, at least in my recent memory. Uh, there's just something about Christmas morning, waking up on that day. Uh, you know, we're, we're never actually told in scriptures that Jesus is born at nighttime. Uh, it's pretty strongly implied a couple of places in scriptures. The angels come at night to the shepherds to uh, announce that, that uh, Christ is born. And that's just before they head off to see Jesus. And uh, that means he was probably born at night. And in other words, there was something about that first Christmas morning, too. Because that first Christmas morning, the, uh, the morning after Jesus' birth, everything was different on that day. Everything was changed. When the sun rose on the first Christmas, it was rising for the first time on a changed world, on a place where everything was new. It was rising for the first time on a world in which the Christ event had begun. It was rising for the first time on a world where the Creator had become part of creation. He'd been born into his own world. Matthew and Luke tell us different parts of the Christmas story, uh, and it's great to read those. We read them last night. I think most of you were here. Uh, they talk about what happened during that time, the events. John tells us something about it, too, in our gospel reading for today. But his focus is really different in John chapter 1. His focus is really different. He doesn't actually narrate the story, at least not on earth, very much for us. What he does is he focuses on the significance of what happened. He tells us why the birth of Jesus matters, why it's important. And the metaphor that he uses uh, is such a good one for Christmas morning. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. It's a fitting thing that Jesus is born at night. It's a fitting thing that Jesus is born in darkness. It's a fitting thing because you know, sin is so often in the Bible talked about as darkness. In fact, right here in John chapter 1, it's talked about in that way. And that's exactly what Jesus is born into. He's born into a world full of sin and a world full of darkness. And John tells us this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. When we sang Silent Night last night, you know, we did it in the darkness of the sanctuary. And when we do that, it's, it's one of my favorite things in the year. Because when we do that, something really amazing happens. We stand in this dark room. We stand in the black and the cold night where everything is completely unilluminated until the light comes to us. Every year we get the light from this Christ candle right here. Every year is a visual reminder of what we hear from John on Christmas morning, that the light of Christ enters in to our darkness. He enters into our sin and he drives it out. And it, it, he does it in just the same way that light drives out darkness. 
Because the darkness does not overcome the light, ever. Darkness doesn't overcome the light when Jesus, uh, darkness doesn't overcome Jesus when Herod goes out and kills the children. Darkness does not overcome Jesus when people seek to stone him during his life on earth. Darkness doesn't even overcome Jesus in the darkness of the cross. It doesn't overcome him. See, John tells us he gives himself to it. But in the resurrection, we have proof positive that John is right in chapter 1 of his gospel. That darkness does not overcome light. That our sin does not overcome our Savior. And see, on the first Christmas morning, that's what the sun rises on for the first time. The sun shines on a world that's already filled with what John calls the true light. Now, you may have noticed last night on the altar that the colors were different. And as you probably know, uh, we go from the blue of Advent to the white of Christmas. We go from this, this blue of anticipation that we gather around in Advent to the white of holiness, which is the celebration of, of one of the biggest days in the church here, Christmas itself. One of my favorite things about that transition at Zion is on the altar over in the sanctuary, the word that we gather around, it changes too. Because if you remember, maybe you know this by memory, what's on the, what's on the altar during Advent? Hope. Oh, yeah, we gather around the word hope. We gather around this word of, of anticipation. It's right in front of us for the four weeks of Advent, and it reminds us that we're looking forward to something. That we're looking forward not only to the celebration of the birth of Jesus, but also looking forward to his return on the last day. But on Christmas Day, and on Christmas Eve, we gather around a different word. Remember that one? Joy. Joy, yeah, exactly. Especially when we don't accidentally put up the he is risen quite Because <laughs> that's happened before. But we gather around joy on Christmas, uh, on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. And that's the key word, of course, for today's hymn as well. Joy to the world. As you probably remember, the hymn doesn't just start with the word joy. It starts with the reason for our joy. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And what better song for Christmas morning than him that reminds us of the first Christmas morning? It reminds us that things changed. And what a beautiful illustration of the what the world should look like to receive Jesus. The hymn says this, Let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. There's joy Christmas morning because everything has changed. And yet a real quick look around you will tell you that earth has not received her king, that every heart isn't prepared for Jesus. And the famous line, let heaven and nature sing, which is a very poetic way of saying what we say in the Lord's Prayer all the time, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not yet true now either, at least not completely. See, the one thing Joy to the World does so effectively as a Christmas hymn is it reminds us that we're not focusing exclusively on Christmas. We're focusing on when Jesus arrives. And that happens, of course, on the first Christmas day. It happens on uh, the, the you know, first Christmas 2,000 years ago. But it also happens on the last day. It also happens on the day when the dead are raised and sin and suffering are gone forever. And what's so beautiful and so profound, I think, about joy to the world is that it reminds us 
about something that at least I tend to forget on Christmas. That Christmas morning is, in many ways, just like the first day of the new creation. The first day after the last day. Because, see, both of those mornings, Christmas Day and the first day of the new creation, are going to be days when the sun rises on a world into which the Lord has come. Both of those mornings are going to be mornings where the sun enlightens an earth that has received her king. Both of those mornings are going to be mornings that begin an age of victory and an age of joy. Both of those mornings are going to be mornings where everything has changed. And that's what we celebrate today. And every time we celebrate Christmas, that we're not just looking back, we're looking forward to. We're thinking about what has been done and what's promised for the future as well. He rules the world with truth and grace. That's what the hymn says. That's what John says, actually, in the gospel as well. We Lutherans tend to say it a little differently sometimes. We, we call it law and gospel. But it means largely the same thing, I think. Because the reign of Jesus that began on that first Christmas, it, it, it's the reign that, at least for right now, we only really see in the church. And from the standpoint of the world, that looks pretty weak and pretty small. Kind of like a baby in a manger. But it's one of the most powerful things that there is. It's the sermon where the gospel rings out and is preached to the people. It's the words of your mom or your dad reminding you of your faith and talking to you about the love of God that was given to you in Jesus Christ. It's the words of a friend who, who offers to pray with you. It's the word of God that's combined with water in holy baptism. It's the gathering of the church around holy communion, around the bread and wine and the body and blood of Jesus. That's the reign of Christ that began on the first Christmas. He comes to make his blessing known far as the curse is found. See, word and sacrament is how that happens in this creation. As far as the, church, as the curse is found, that's where that happens. It happens from Tibet to Toledo. It happens from Santiago to San Antonio. It happens from Bethalto to Brussels. It happens in that sanctuary, in this gymnasium, and to the very ends of the earth. Everywhere that God's word is preached and his sacraments are administered, the blessing is made known. Far as the curse is found, and nothing will stop that. Not a little bit of water on the floor of the church, not cold weather, not persecution, not suffering, not even Satan himself. Nothing will stop the reign of God in Christ Jesus. And the first Christmas is the beginning of that reign of God. The first day of the new creation will be the day when the complete reign of God is finally and fully here. When we aren't looking forward to anything, that's what will happen on the last day, because everything will be accomplished. Our hymn says this, it says, He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. That's the last day that Joy of the World is talking about. The Bible talks about that as a day when all nations are going to stream to the mountain of God, to the place where God dwells. And John says it this way, he says, The true light which gives light to everyone. That's the last day. When everybody sees the glory of the sun, when the sun reigns over all nations, when victory is everywhere in the world, and when the curse is no longer found anywhere. And so this Christmas, just like every Christmas, 
We employ our songs, as the hymn says. This Christmas we repeat the sounding joy that uh, the one that the one who came is the one who saves us. We repeat the sounding joy that we sing that we sang last Christmas and that we sing at the, sang at the Christmas before that and the Christmas before that. We repeat the sounding joy that our mothers and our fathers repeated and their mothers and their fathers and the church all the way back to Luther in the 1500s, all the way back to Augustine in the 400s, all the way back to the apostles who ran from the tomb and said, he is risen. We repeat the sounding joy that the angels sang in the dark fields of the first Christmas. The joy dawned on Christmas morning. The joy that God has come to save us. The joy that life and light are here. And the joy that the light of Christ has come into the darkness. And the darkness cannot and has not and will not overcome. Amen. And then may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds. Keep them steadfast in Christ Jesus.